Welcome to the laboratory of Jean-Paul Gasset. You'll witness before you a phenomenon like no other, a man of the sea, Seaman. This legendary creature will be dependent on you for its life's blood. You'll begin right here in Gasset's laboratory. Where is this laboratory? What awaits you within? You have no idea what Seaman is or how it evolves. This is something you must find out for yourself, as there is little documentation to help you on your way. My name is Leonard Nimoy, and I will be your guide. Amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. Uh, Billy's not going to be here today. I'm not sure exactly when Billy's going to come back. He's got a lot of things going on. So if you are a patron, there are some paid shows we've mentioned on the bonus shows that are coming up, uh, and they are still coming up. We didn't forget them, but we want to do them with all three of us here. Uh, if you if you care enough about a game that you want to you know, force us to cover it by joining our Patreon, then we'd love to have all three of us there to talk about them. So instead, we're calling it Audible today and covering a game that was not a patron request, but one that I think a lot of people want to hear about, Seaman for the Dreamcast. But before we get to that, Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last show? Uh, I played Returnal for the PS5. Uh, that is their brand new exclusive game. came out this week, and it's from the guys that made Resogun. It's really good. Like, this is kind of their first really big game. It's still a shooter, kind of a bullet hell thing, but it's it's now done in, like, a, a third-person action-adventure kind of game. It's got hints of, like, Metroid. It's a roguelite kind of game to where every time you die, you're sent back to when you started. Certain abilities and weapons will carry over depending on what you find. It's just a really cool game. It's hard to really describe it, especially when it's got that $70 price tag attached to it. But if you are into bullet hell style games and sci-fi horror games and roguelites and uh, just really cool environments to explore, this game has it all. Like it is really, really good. I'm not usually into bullet hell games, but it, this one controls so well. It's almost kind of like got that Dark Souls kind of feel to it to where you're, you're not so much doing everything right in the moment you're kind of planning everything like two or three steps ahead where you want to be but then you've you know you're constantly having to change that up as well it's got that and it's just it, it moves so fast and fluid that it's hard not to get addicted to it it's it's got enough of that just one more time kind of arcade feel to it that it, whenever you do go back to the beginning and everything changes up you're just like yes i want to play this again there's nothing tedious about it and just the amount of stuff that's in it, like it's it's a full-on game. Like it is definitely not, like you see that roguelite kind of thing in it and you're like, well, this has to be just some cheap indie game, you know, that what, what all the indie games are doing. And it is not that at all. I mean, it is, but it has a much higher bar of quality attached to it. 
uh, something like I haven't actually seen in a roguelike game before. So if you're into that, uh, I know it sounds pretty weird, but uh, definitely check that out if you're lucky enough to have a PS5. Yeah, I'm not, but the little bit I've seen, it did remind me of of look look like a, a Souls kind of game, but obviously if it's faster and a, more of a shooter, uh, that's actually it kind of reminded me of if you had like Souls and Bayonetta mashed together. Uh, so that's kind yeah, of neat. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like that because it's got... Uh, you know, this the developer housemark, their kind of trademark thing is to have these these rows of bright neon bullets always gl- coming at you from enemies. And it's still in this game. <laughs> it, it You'd think it'd be out of place, but it it does this really good job of constantly conveying where the bullets are in a third person shooter like this, because usually third person uh, shooters, it, it can be hard to kind of get around you what's coming at you all the time. And because of just how, you know, you see the bullets constantly and the way the controller vibrations work, it kind of tells you which way bullets are coming that you can't see. Like, it's just, it's so well done. And uh, yes, it totally does kind of have that Bayonetta feel to it, but with a a bullet hell kind of arcade thing on top of it. Yeah, whenever I get a PS5, this has become one of the games I must grab. There's not a whole lot yet that I've needed. I mean, the remake of Demon's Souls and then... There's a few things I'm like, yeah, I'd get it if I had a PS5, but I'll wait on a few, you know, wait for Final Fantasy 16 or whatever to, to get that. But that this game looks appealing enough that if I find one, I might actually consider picking it up if it won't get me divorced. So I have, on the other hand, and this will blow everyone's mind, really only played a whole lot of Monster Hunter Rise since our, our last episode to the point where I didn't beat one game in April. Like, I've been keeping track of how many games I beat over for the year and how many I'm buying and making sure I'm not, like, losing progress, I guess, for whatever that matters. Uh, and I did not finish one game in April because I put in uh, over 100 hours into just Monster Hunter alone last month. And then the games I'm playing otherwise are are long. So, you know, I'm playing through Persona 5 Royal. That's going to take me forever because I'm also really taking my time with that one. But I did decide that since it is uh, the beginning of May when we're recording this, uh, in fact, tomorrow, when I hopefully will have this posted, is, uh, is May 4th. So I'm trying to play through Jedi Fallen Order finally. I, I got far enough in it, and I run into this problem with some of the Souls-like games where I'll get to a boss or an encounter area that I don't enjoy, and I don't feel like forcing my way through it. For some reason, like, unless you build those games really, really well, which I think the Souls games do it very well... I, I just lose interest if there's a long period to go through to get to a boss fight that I'm going to lo- get to and, and die and then have to go back and make a lot of progress. Also, I think Fallen Order may have the longest load times of any game I've played in in the last couple generations. Like, you die and you have to reload and you just wait. And you wait. And you wait. And then you'll pop back in. But then if you die in three hits, you get to sit down for a minute and wait again <laughs> while it reloads. So I kind of got stalled on it, but I'm back into it now. But aside from Monster Hunter, which, by the way, the expansion stuff that came out, that free update is amazing. Uh, I, uh, on our, one of our more recent bonus shows, we covered Parappa the Rapper. We talked about Parappa and Parappa 2 and Um Jammer Lamy, the sequels people remember, but we, we had forgotten that there was a marching game for the Wii that came out. And I think I might have mentioned last episode that I bought this marching game, which is called Major Miner's Majestic March. And I finally played it. I played through it all on Twitch. And it is maybe, and I know a lot of people said that this is like one of the top 10 worst Wii games. This is one of the top 10 worst video games I've ever played. It is it, <laughs> it is not fun in any way, shape, or form. The, the whole point of the game, it's a music-based game, but you're a conductor because you're leading a marching band. So your only job is to hold the Wii remote up and down like it's a conductor stick and wave your hands up and down. Like, not wave your hands, but like, you know, it looks like I'm 
jacking off a horse, but I'm just doing it the nonstop <laughs> for like the whole time of a song. Meanwhile, like if you're going up or down hills because you're watching your ma- marching band march around, if you go up and down hills, you have to like speed up and slow down so that your band puts on more effort to go up hills or what. It sucks. It is the the worst game I've played in forever. I wanted to like, I wanted to try it and be like, you know, I get why people didn't like it, but it's got some charm. It doesn't have any charm. Like all the charm of the Parappa games, that whole that the whole feeling is just not there. And it has everyone's voices bad. Like like all the Parappa voices are kind of goofy, but they're kind of lovably goofy. All the, every voice in Major Minor's Majestic March is just grating, and and the songs themselves are marches that you might know some of and some I guess they might have made up for the game, but they all sound awful because you're speeding up and slowing down constantly. And if you're missing the beat at all, like everyone's playing out a key, it's just it sounds like traffic for a solid two hours that you're playing this game. And the story's dumb. And it's just it's it's bad. Like there's there's only a few games that I'll honestly say like, yeah, this game is pretty much, you know, a, a giant disaster that should never have been made. Like, I, I try really hard, especially for games on this podcast, to look for things I enjoy out of a game. Like, yeah, maybe 90% of this game sucks, but I really like the gun selection. Or something. But there's nothing. There's not one redeemable feature of Major Miner's Majestic March. I guess except that it only cost me $5. That's a redeeming feature. But, man, if, if you happen to catch that on Twitch... Yeah. I'm sorry, and and, <laughs> and and if not, I I highly recommend going and looking up on YouTube. And the the weirdest thing, this is the thing that blew my mind. I tried to find like a full playthrough of the game on YouTube and couldn't. I could only find like one level or people reviewing it. There's loads of videos about how bad it is, but like I wanted to find one specific stage and I could not find it anywhere. That's crazy. Yeah, it's almost crazy enough for me to want to do it just so I'm the guy that has that video up there. But I don't <laughs> want to ever play it again. It's going to sit I, in my in my shelf, and it's never going to move unless I'm trying to make people leave my house. This is what motion controls did to developers. They turned like all of these amazing developers into just making the worst stuff. I mean, he went from doing Parappa, Um Jammer, and you give them motion controls, and you get marching band music. So, God, it, it just, I, why would you even think that's fun? I've played another marching game, the or another conducting game, I guess. Mad Maestro for the PlayStation Two was one where. Oh yeah, that was it, great. Same idea, and instead of instead of having to wave your hand around because it was on the PS Two, you had to push the the pressure sensitive buttons mattered. You had to hit certain mm-hmm. temp, tempos, like were different different strengths. I, you know what? Way more fun. Way more fun. Find Mad Maestro. Enjoy it. That's a much, much better conductor game. I think there's only two conductor games. Uh, if there are any more, all of them are better than than uh, Major Miner's Majestic March. That game is completely, completely unenjoyable. But a game that's surprisingly enjoyable, considering that it's essentially about feeding a fish. The game we're going to talk about today, Seaman, for the Sega Dreamcast. Your first step will involve preparing the tank for Seaman's arrival. Adjust the tank settings to be an adequate temperature with sufficient oxygen. While adjusting, keep in mind that blue is the color of the sea, and thus an appropriate color for the care of seaman. Then take the egg from the storage matrix and place it in the tank. You called. Talk is overrated. Coming, Your Majesty. So we, full disclosure here, we just kind of had to pull this episode out of our ass. So, you know, like you said, uh, I, you had recently beat this uh, as you streamed it on Twitch. Yes. I haven't played this since it legit came out. And so I, but I remember it fondly. So I just kind of had to do a crash course in remembering uh, the joy that is Seaman. 
Uh, so I was, I'm super excited to talk about this game, but there's a lot about this game that is, that has lapsed in my memory. So if I'm just forgetting something outright, or if I'm putting things in the wrong order, then uh, that is why. And, and I took some notes based on my last playthrough. I did play this on Twitch when I first started streaming, like six months ago, I guess. Uh, one of the things I thought was like, wouldn't it be funny to play Seaman? And the answer is probably not. But I did enjoy playing it, and people seemed to tune in. Uh, the downside is Seaman is a game you're not going to play in a big chunk. Seaman's not a game that's designed for you to spend, you know, four to six hours a day playing through. Seaman is a game, much like having uh, a fish in this example, uh, you feed it, you pay a little attention to it, you have like half an hour time max, and then you move on to something else. You can come back as much as many times as you want during the day and play Seaman, and not a whole lot's going to change. Uh, there's yeah, kind of a cap is, uh... of what you can do each day. So, I played it. It was fun, but it was clear after the first few days. It was like, okay, I'm going to play five minutes of Seaman and then, you know, Bionic Commando or whatever else it was I was going to play. <laughs> so it, it's not a game that streams incredibly well. I should have done it on YouTube instead, but that's okay. Seaman came out in 1999 Japan and then actually made it to the U.S. for the Sega Dreamcast in 2000. I remember when this came out, and because at that time I was, you know, still, that was the very end of my time working at a video game store. I was firmly already, like, going to write a bunch of articles about kind of bizarre games. So, you know, from the moment I had Seaman, my goal was to get it, play it, document it online, which I did do well back in, what, 2001. And uh, and and so I did it again for Twitch 20 years later, right? But I love this game when it came out originally just because it was so different than anything else I'd ever seen. Yeah, I, I didn't actually get into the whole virtual pet craze that kind of happened in the mid-90s. So I think really about the only one I had was the uh, keychain uh, Pikachu that came out with, with the, I, I forget when it came out, but it was fairly early in, the, in that kind of thing. That was the only virtual pet thing I ever had. Now I know the PC, they had some pretty cool stuff, you know, with, with things that you could actually talk to using a microphone. So when I saw this in the official Dreamcast magazine, I believe, and saw that it actually came with a, a microphone that you could speak to it with, included with the game, I, I had to get it. Plus, it just looked so goddamn weird. It was like, you know, it's it's a fish with uh, an Asian man's head on it. And I, I couldn't imagine what, what that game was even about. What amazed me, though, because I really just thought I was going to be getting a virtual pet, was how much of an actual game is built around it. Like, it is not just, like you said, you, you go in and you... You chill with it for, you know, 30 minutes a day or something like that. But there's an actual, like, beginning, middle, and end to this game. It's not just like, hey, let's be friends forever. There's actually goals. And there's a lot of stuff built around it that that I, I definitely did not think would, would be in a game about a fish with a, a man's head on it. Yeah, no, not at all. It's the virtual pet craze. I, I didn't even think about this at the time, but you're right. This is right after like Tamagotchis were big. Um, and on the Dreamcast, the VMU, the memory cards for the system, if you recall, which I know you do, but if you're listening, if you recall, uh, were little, almost like little Tamagotchi like keychain size things that you plugged in your controller and they had a little screen on them. So in, for example, Sonic Adventure, which was kind of a game that if you have a Dreamcast, I can't imagine you didn't buy Sonic Adventure. There were sections of the game where you'd capture these little chow guys, and you could put one in the controller and then carry it around like a Tamagotchi and do little games and stuff with it. Power Stone had something similar, where you could kind of rank up characters through VMU-based you know, mini pet games, right? And so the idea of having a game that's a virtual pet on the Dreamcast was already there. So to take that, lar to, take that to a, the next level, and it's not just a virtual pet, it's like a virtual pet friend. I mean, everyone has... 
not everyone has pets. Most people have pets. I have a dog. I just got, he's great. He'll never talk to me, and that's probably good. I don't think I'd want to hear anything he has to say. But this is the idea of where you, you raise a pet up, and then eventually it gets smart enough to actually have conversations with you that, like you mentioned, you will use the Dreamcast microphone to talk to and ask questions to. That That's really, there's kind of like two halves of this game. There's the take care of the pet part of the game, and then there's the talk to your pet part of the game. And, and you need to do both to make it from the start of the game to the end of the game, which is probably about a month's worth of actual time. You can stretch it out a little bit, but you, you know, the, the, I don't want to say life of Seaman, because the game thankfully doesn't end with Seaman dying horribly, unless you mess up. Uh, so that, you know, the beginning of the game to what I could say is the end of the game is about a, a month window. It, so the Dreamcast microphone, and I didn't remember this, but as soon as I looked it up, I did remember. There were several games in the U.S. that came with a microphone. So Seaman wasn't the only game that used the microphone. The other one was called Alien Front Online, and I didn't remember anything about it until I saw the yeah. box art. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I remember that yeah. box. Um, but there were apparently like 10 or 12 other games in Japan and a couple in Europe that we didn't get that also used that microphone. Europe, ironically, never got Seaman. So they had one major game that used the microphone they never got. But they had some other stuff we didn't get that used that Dreamcast microphone. Uh, I never tried anything else that used it, uh, just this game specifically. So uh, any of my gripes about the, the microphone, maybe all games have that same complaint, uh, but we're going to definitely talk about them in, in this game. And before we get too far into this, what we've probably said, if you're not familiar with Seaman, what we probably said just sounds like we're insane. You know, this is a fish with a man's head. And it sounds like this would just be uh, an insane person's game. But this game takes itself so damn seriously. <laughs> it's kind of almost off-putting. Like, the whole thing is dressed in almost like this Animal Planet, like Discovery Channel kind of thing, where it's all like an experiment. And everything is, is like, very realistic. You know, you're, you're growing things and... You have to feed, you have to keep the water at certain temperatures. Like it's a very kind of serious game with a fish with a man's head on it, talking to you during it. And I think that was like the weirdest thing to me as a kid, because I was just expecting that let's just have fun kind of thing. Let's have wacky adventures with my fish headed uh, fish or my, sea <laughs> <laughs> my, my fish headed fish, my uh, human headed fish. So it, it was it, it was kind of weird whenever you start the game and it's like taking you through like, you know, this this backstory and the scientist and all this other stuff. And it, I, I just I never expected that whatsoever. It's, it was just something that I, I was completely blown away by just how like just that this was like a scientific kind of thing that you had to figure out on your own. Well, and, and you have a narrator, a narrator who helps you kind of at the end of every game, at the beginning of every game, he helps d explain what happened the previous day or introduces you to the game. And it's Leonard Nimoy, uh, Mr. Spock from Star Trek, is the narrator uh, for this game. So when you first turn it on, he, as you heard at the start of this episode, he introduces you to the game and what you're going to be doing. And then every day when you come on, he kind of summarizes the previous day. Hopefully you didn't have a disaster of a day. And I did when I played it online. I actually had to, to do this through twice because uh, you can make some mistakes. And much like having an actual pet, if you make grave errors, like keeping their, their tank too cold or too hot, or forgetting to feed them, uh, which is what I did <laughs> for several days, they will die. And there's no, like, go back a couple days. It's like, oh, I guess you can start over again, just like you would with a real pet. So this game starts, you have some eggs. 
And after Leonard Nimoy tells you what to do, he introduces you to the lab you're going to have, so you see your tank. It's make sure the temperature is at the right, at the right level, make sure that the water has enough oxygen in it, because it's like a big fish tank. And there's a light you can turn on and off. And other than that, the first day is you get some eggs, you throw them in the water, and you wait. You can't do anything with eggs, because they don't eat <laughs> What a their great eggs. first impression. Well, and, and that's what I did when I streamed it. I was like, huh, so this first day... Is super exciting, but you wait a few minutes. You wait five, ten minutes after you first put those eggs in, as long as your water is at the right level, and and all of a sudden those eggs will hatch, and and that's great as long as you stay long enough. The first day your eggs hatch, and they become what's called and and Leonard will tell you the names of these things as you play through mushroomers. Mushroomers look kind of like little little balls with like a almost like a tail on each one, and they're very small. You can zoom in on them. They don't do much. You can talk to them. Uh, the, the game, the way that the game works with talking is you hold down, I believe it's the A button, and then you can talk, and sometimes things will respond. Uh, now, in this case, they're eggs. And even when they're mushroomers, they don't talk yet. They don't look like anything. They look like little balls. So they kind of just float around the tank. But if you do tap on the tank, because you have a little finger that you can move things around, if you tap on the tank, they'll kind of move to where your finger is. And the only other thing in this fish tank is a shell. Like a big shell and a rock, and I think some, some plants will be in there eventually. But if you go near the big shell with these little mushrooms, you tap them around the tank till they go near the shell. All of a sudden, it's called the Nautilus. It's like a big snail thing that lives in that shell will come out. And eventually, he will eat them. He will eat the mushroomers. And you think, well, that was a lot of fun. There's my game. <laughs> I just watched my seamen get eaten by the Nautilus. But in, in a kind of like in the same way that I'd say like, if you watch the Game of Thrones on HBO or read the books, but if you watch on HBO and you get to the end of the first season and like a character you think is the main character and the driving force of the show just dies horribly, but then the show continues, that's exactly what happens here. You need, it will not progress. The game does not move any farther until you have your mushroomers eaten by the Nautilus. After it's eaten by the Nautilus, the next day you come back, Nautilus is still there, but all of a sudden it freaks out. It looks like it's attacking something. It's having a, like some kind of spasm. And basically, your mushrooms have eaten out, like killed the snail from the inside, and are now their next form, uh, which is, they kind of look like little, little, little fish, like very primitive fish with kind of human heads. And there's now eight eight or so of them. And at this point, if you talk to them, is when they start actually responding. They will, if you say like, hello, seaman, they'll talk like baby talk back, you know, like, baby, baba, booba, or whatever. And... This is the second half of the game, where basically, along with making sure you continue to have the temperature at the right level, have the oxygen at the right level, which it, it changes colors if you're in the right or wrong levels. It's very clear when you've done so, but you have to log in every day, at least once a day, to do those things. Um, if you don't talk to your seamen enough, they will never evolve. They will never learn enough to get to the next phase of existence. So a lot of this game, especially early on, is you talking to fish things with human heads that kind of just babble back at you. And I'm going to be honest, I don't quite know how I did this when I was, like, again, I wasn't young. I was still, like, <laughs> in my 20s when I played this the first time. But, like, I don't know how I kept up my interest enough to do this for about three or four days, which on streaming I knew it was coming, so I didn't care. But in, in real life, I found the time every day to talk to these fake fish uh, enough till eventually you said their name and they would go, Seaman, like a baby. And you're like, oh, look at that, they learned a few words. Claytor. <laughs> Fish. Yeah, whoop. Work. 
baby. Hello. That was like the first time where I, my cousin uh, was playing with me. And as soon as like one of those little baby things, you know, kind of talked back, like she just kind of got up and, and walked out. Uh, she's, <laughs> I don't I don't want to be around this anymore. Like it, it kind of freaked her out so bad. But it's just I don't know really how to explain this fucking game. Like <laughs> it's it does a really good job of want of you wanting to come back each day and see what's what's new what's happened because it you know there's usually something there that has changed the seamen um, we got to be really careful how we pronounce these fuckers names the the seamans uh the mushroomers how what they change and, and how much they learn and just something you know you might find something new because soon enough you've you've got like the bug basket that it introduces you once he starts actually being able to talk to you then he introduces the bug basket where he's like hey i kind of really want some moths and you should grow them in this thing over here and then feed them to me well so, he doesn't want moths yet he, he would uh, like the larvae he would like the, yes, the caterpillars larvae, essentially to the moths now you, you still have you you do have to grow it's basically a second whole tank that will show up early on in the game as you mentioned he introduces like i want some other food here's a way you can make some other food and it's a tank with the first just some some caterpillar larvae, some plants, and then there's some other eggs on the ground. And your job there is to just make sure it has enough water sprinkled in so that it stays, uh, I guess, moist enough. That's a horrible word. Uh, to keep them, you know, healthy. And then they will eventually become in cocoons, and then there'll be moths where they'll make more eggs that make more larvae. But the only thing you want to feed them is larvae. You can't feed them the eggs. You can't feed them the... The moths. I mean, you put a moth in water; it's it's not going to sink. Uh, so th that that second tank, you really have to make sure. Not only do you go in every day now and monitor your your seaman's area, but you also have to monitor this bug tank. It's not hard, but you, the other thing with the bug tank, and this is a little earlier than I was going to bring it up, but at the same time, it's a perfect time because we're not going to talk about the bug tank much more because not much else ever happens with that bug tank. You just constantly make make moths and make sure they have larvae so you can feed them to the seaman, but. Other times, especially when you have eggs in there, spiders will show up in the bug tank. Now, you can grab a spider, and you can you can keep it in your, like, food section and then give it to the seaman as food, but do not. Do not give a spider to a seaman as food. It can make your seaman incredibly sick. Incredibly sick, and you might you might die. They could die if you don't, you don't help your seaman after you feed him spiders. So do not feed your seaman spiders. They don't seem to do much except for eat a few eggs. But unless you're not keeping multiple moths there, it should not be a problem to uh, to keep your food supply going to your seaman. Also, you do get some food pellets at the very beginning of the game that if you keep in your inventory until you absolutely need them, you should even if you run out of larvae uh, while you wait for more to show up after moths come back or whatever, then then at least you'll have a chance to have some backup food. Um, it's going to be hard to discuss this game without kind of ruining it, but at the same time. I think this is the sort of game that you won't believe until you see it anyway, and it's a very different experience. Uh, the second half, the part where you talk to your Seaman, is probably a very different experience depending on the person playing the game. Uh, so I don't think we're going to hurt too many things to explain the Seaman's progression, but essentially they go from these Gillmen, which what pop out of the Nautilus when the Nautilus dies and they shoot out of it. Uh, then the Gillmen will eventually become Podfish, which look a lot more like like the Seaman on the box. They're They're... Essentially, they look like like goldfish with human heads, and they, they have facial expressions. They'll talk to you. 
Uh, but they start with like eight. And you'll notice as they go around the tank, they kind of have these like snork appendages on top of their head. And slowly, over time, even if you feed them every day, constantly, they will start eating the other seamen uh, until eventually they get down to two. When they get down to two seamen, uh, which are still in this podfish form, they will mate, and you will get to watch it. Oh, that was and the worst day. It's a little creepy, I'm going to be honest. It's not incredibly graphic, but it's just a little it's weird. Not, but it's not anything I ever expected to happen. It's like I turned on the Dreamcast and I was expecting to do, you know, just to see what was going on in my tank. And these two guys just, you know, one of them jumps on another one's back and they connect their their stork appendages and kind of go at it with this weird, creepy grin on their face. <laughs> yeah. And they're obviously enjoying what's happening, but I'm not at all. So, yeah, there's just so many things that, that happen that <laughs> there's some disturbing moments in this game. <laughs> Well, and, and in that same fashion of disturbing moments, after you watch your two pod men, pod fish, have, have some weird intercourse with each other through their snork noses, the, the one dies immediately. Like, as soon as it's over, he smiles yeah. and flops He's upside like, down out. and floats to the top of the tank. I've been there. I understand. Uh, but then the, <laughs> then the second one, the, the other one is still there, uh, he, he starts talking to you a little more, and he's like, hey. Why don't you help me out here? There's this big rock in the middle of the tank, and he helps you move the rock by, I mean, literally, you're just helping him push this rock. Uh, once the rock is moved, it drains the water down to where now the tank is no longer just a fish tank. Now it's more of like an aquatic and ground, like a frog tank would be, you know? So there's part of it still underwater, and there's part of it's up in the land. And great. Okay, so now you figure, okay, this now, now that this seaman has... has spawned of some is getting ready to have babies or whatever you're you're good to go you're going to have this other tank because on the back of the box you can clearly see that at some point it looks more like a frog man but instead this this podfish will climb up on sea on the land and then just shoot eggs out of its back into the water and then curl up and die it fucking gets up on there (laughs) and it sounds like it is trying to pass the worst turd of its life and i that's this is another thing that I was just like, what is going on with this game? And if you, cl- you know, if you tap, you'll go up close and you'll see that he's, you know, pooping out little eggs from his snork uh, antenna onto the ground. And yeah, it's just like he's, you know, he's he's done too. Just rolls over and he dies. It's like I don't, I don't know if I want to play this fucking game anymore. <laughs> like, there's so many moments in it where it's just like, yeah, it, it really takes the whole like being like this kind of weird undiscovered nature documentary or, or species that you're taking care of and evolving it to these weird levels of, of kind of uncomfortableness. Well, it, I think the first, again, if you break the game into kind of two parts, the part where you feed animals, let's just say they're regular fish, feed fish, watch fish evolve, die, become new, different kinds of fish. Great. Okay. That's, that's interesting, and that's more like that Discovery Channel-style game, right? But the reason that it's a little creepy is because they all have these human heads on them, and everything has a hum- the same human head on them. Like, there's slight differences in coloration or whatever, but generally, they're all the same guy's face. So you'll have eight fish in your tank, or after the, the, the podfish dies and the next set of things come, they actually look like tadpoles. Uh, they're called tadmen, and there'll be eight or so of them. And the same cycle happens. As they evolve, they grow little legs, little arms, they start walking out of the tank. They also start eating each other until you're down to two again. And this time, those two look like frogs, 
with human heads on them, but with these weird snork appendages on the tops of their head as well. And you'll have two of those that are more or less on land, but they will go into the water and swim around and do whatever. So everything that happens that would be, I mean, I don't want to say creepy in in real life, but, you know, kind of kind of strange to see things evolve this quickly. The fact that they all have this human face and they all make the same, like, yeah. kind of creepy smile or, or at least a creepy look at all times when they're not actively talking to you, it really makes it unnerving uh, <laughs> in a way that probably is, shouldn't have been as unnerving if they would have just looked like uh, cartoon characters or something. Yes, uh, totally. If, if they did not have a human head that would actually make, like, recognizable emotions you know and things like that it would that would be one thing if it was just you know this fish with a, a carp head on an actual fish head you know who cares but by then you've already had conversations with this guy and you know besides having the same head they all have the same voice once once they reach adulthood you know it's they kind of got this very soothing dad voice that is at the same time very condescending constantly so it's it's basically the same. Every one of them are the same things, the same characters with the same looks and, and how they are, but it's still weird just to see them kind of eating each other and, and just rolling over and dying because you've kind of had this weird emotional attachment to that one as you've been talking to it. And that's probably a, a good time to just mention how, how much, you know, they're the whole like second part of this game is with, with you speaking to it and having conversations like once they get past like the uh, the mushroom things and and they're not talking like babies anymore and can have conversations, that's a big deal. Like you're actually having like you know ten minutes worth of conversation with this weird fish thing uh, a day. And I am going to go ahead and I don't I didn't read up on this. I don't know the, any the technology behind it or anything. But I'm going to say that most of this game is just smoke and mirrors with with like responding and and talking to it. Yeah, because I don't know if you had the same thing, but there's a lot of a lot of times where he will initiate a conversation with you. And it's a very it, it kind of funnels. It seems like it's a very broad conversation, but it kind of funnels down into a yes or no question or something that you're saying this or that. And then his answer will be something that kind of conveys both of the, it kind of answers with both of those answers at the same time. Like there's there's one where he's like, um, you know, have you ever been to a psychiatrist or something like that? And you can say yes or no, but then his answer is like, well, you know, I I definitely heard that mental health is is something that's worth taking care of. So it's like he never really comes around to to answering specifically. But back then, I thought this was magic. Well, it's it's not quite uh, that does happen. You're not wrong. But it's not quite that cut and dry where you feel like, okay, I can answer questions and it's just going to give me a speech afterwards. Uh, it is definitely a scripted game in far as, as every game you play through, the seamen will ask you the same questions. So sometimes it's as simple as, as, have you seen a psychiatrist before? Yes or no? And then they'll give you a speech about the history of psychology or whatever and why it's important, whether no matter what your answer is. But then they'll also always add something in at the end, like, so since you've seen a psychiatrist, you must know what I'm talking about. And then if not, they'll say, maybe you should see a psychiatrist to know what I'm talking about. So they do add these little things. But they also will ask you some more open-ended questions that are not quite as cut and dry. So they'll ask what your birthday is. Not, not year necessarily but you know what's your birthday so you'll say oh january 1st or whatever your birthday is and then they'll tell you famous you know important things that have happened on that day 
Uh, if you're playing the game around that time, they'll tell you happy birthday. Uh, they're, they'll ask you questions based on family members and, and like your personal life. And so those, those questions do have some responses that they'll call back to. So if you say like you're married, uh, like early in the game, they'll ask if you're married or not. You'll say, oh, I'm married, you know. And later in the game, it'll be like, so I have some questions since you say you're married. And they, you know, you said you're a man. So I assume you have a wife. Is this true? And, you know, you can say yes or no. And then if you say, you know, yes, they'll say, great. So tell me about your wife. And they'll ask some questions about your wife. They, again, they'll call back to these things. It saves all the answers you've given C-Man uh, to kind of lead his discussion. But ultimately, he asks the same questions every game. And the whole point of his questions is, is one, to kind of, get that smoke and mirrors effect where you're like, man, I'm really talking this fish, but also it drives forward his story. He's the, the whole point of this game and raising Seaman and talking to Seaman is he'll eventually give you some of his species history and what his, his goal is and what it is you need to do to help him uh, kind of escape this cage and his trap. And, and if you didn't have those long questions with him, you'd never get to that point. You'd never understand, like, what is the point of this game? At a certain point, I just I, this fish gets big enough that I can, you know, let him go. Like, that, that would be the game if this didn't have the seaman talking part. But instead, yes, it, it does seem sometimes like it's very smoke and mirrors. And, and the, but, but at the same time, especially in, in, you know, 2000, I was blown away with how much this game could understand. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, I will say, playing it again in 2021, it is, uh, some of the questions it asks are, I don't want to say inappropriate, but things that we no longer may think are a big deal, uh, that, that, that he would get, a, not upset about, but may not have an answer for. Also, when he asked me what I did for a living, even back then, uh, this game does not have, he'll ask, like, oh, what, what is your job, if you have a job? And I tried to explain what my job was when I had a real job. And he didn't understand anything I said. Eventually, he just said I was a sex worker. And then this time, I explained... <laughs> he was right, right? Well, I mean, aren't we all when it really boils down? But the this time, I was trying to explain in any way, like, I was trying to figure, like, how do I explain to C-Man that I play video games online for people? Uh, and he didn't get that either. So again, he went forward believing that I, I was a sex worker. <laughs> I feel like that was what I he said for me, like, back then. I think I, that's the I, default that's why I'm just like some things are smoke and mirrors because it's like, I don't know, maybe there's like certain pre-programmed things that he would understand. Like if you said nurse, right. fire, you know, something like that, he would understand. But that's such a broad question. It is. And I'm going to guess that a lot of people ended up being sex workers. And and I, I mean, way back when I played it the first time, I thought that was the funniest thing that's ever happened. This time when I did it, I realized I was like, wait a minute, he only knows like four jobs. And that's the problem. So they just coded in if he didn't give a job he knew he wasn't going to say like oh you must work at a grocery store instead it was just like oh you're a sex worker like okay so early on in this game as you you have a bunch of these you know different forms of the seaman on your tank one of them eventually will say like hey you and i've been talking why don't you give me a name you're like okay i'll give you a name seaman and so he asked for what a name is and you better pick a name you're willing to say loudly and over and over again because if you try to name him something ridiculous, unfortunately, every time you want to talk to that specific seaman, who's kind of the one who's not going to die, he's going to, you know, eat the other ones slowly over time, or he'll, you know, he'll be the kind of the genes that go to the next generation of these seamen. Uh, you have to keep calling him that one name. So if you pick a name that sounds like something else that he, you would say to seaman, like you wouldn't want to pick a name that sounds like seaman. I'm trying to think of one, and I can't think of one off the top of my head. But let's say you wanted to call him, I don't know, Flea Man. Uh, that's Did a bad choice. Him? 
didn't call him Seaman Grandpa? Uh, well, I will tell you for the stream I just did. Uh, yes, I let the people watching pick the name, and his name was Seaman Grandpa. Uh, but <laughs> but otherwise, if you named him something like Miguel, then every time you want to talk to the Seaman, you have to go Miguel, 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 and you have to say it the exact same way. And eventually, he'll say, "Yo, you're talking to me. What can I do for you?" Or sometimes, uh, and this was also I thought funny on the stream. Uh, sometimes he'll just be in a bad mood. Either you've answered a question he did not care for, or you couldn't yeah. say, like, uh, when he was trying to ask what I did for a living, and I kept trying to explain what I did, eventually he was like, I guess you don't want to tell me right now. And then that was the end of the day. He did not want to talk anymore. And the next day he was all surly with me until I finally told him I was a sex worker, and then he was fine with that answer. So it, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's impressive what this game does with the speech part, but I think it's less impressive as the years go on when you realize, like, oh, wait a second. He only has, like, you know, two passive answers, depending on what I say here. I mean, there are a few things that are interesting that, that I was impressed with still this time through. The, the things it would call back to I thought was really cool. And if you play the game at different times of the year, I played this in December. So he told me about Christmas on Christmas Day. He told me about New Year's traditions on New Year's. Like, the things that are coded in there for different holidays and stuff are all really cool. And if this game came out again now with the ability to have constant online updates, uh, I, I bet I would never, like, run out of things to tell you. That would be actually really cool to imagine a modern-day Seaman. But, yeah, like, the uh, it, it did a lot with with knowing things like that. Of course, all of that was hard-coded into the Dreamcast. You know, it, it knew your date whenever you set it, whenever you first turned the console on. A lot of games kind of did that. But it was really kind of extra special when Seaman would come up and be like, hey, you know, it's Christmas or it's your birthday or something like that. It, it meant something because your your fish guy was telling you and you were weird friends with it because you didn't have any real friends. So it was always fun to get on there and, and just see what he would randomly say. But yes, I the technology is very late 90s. It's it's obviously no no Siri. You know, it's no Google Assistant. You can't just ask Seaman uh, some random thing. And he's going to, you know, tell you about your favorite movie star or something like that. Back then, though, I, you know, maybe because that technology was so new, it was much more reined in with what the things that I was kind of throwing out there and what I said. Now, I imagine if I tried to play that, that would feel so constricting. It did. Like, yeah. It did. Yeah, that's 100% so, yeah. right. I mean, it, I felt like a lot of the stuff I was going to talk about, it didn't, it wasn't ready to hear about. Especially there's a whole technology section. He asked questions about technology, and I was like, you have no idea, C-Man. You have no clue what's changed in 20 years. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you, you're lucky you stayed back then, buddy. You don't want to know what's going on now. Yeah, nothing good. Nothing good is going on uh, on the internet, and thankfully, C-Man can miss most of that, as he is not. Even uh, even though the Dreamcast had an online capability, C-Man did not use that at all. It did use the microphone, but it did not use any of the online connectivity uh, to do anything. So, if, if you are careful, and you raise your C-Man you know, through its different phases of life, make sure to feed it, keep its tank uh, well-maintained, help him push the rock, everything else. Eventually, he will ask you to help him escape. You do so, and then the game has an ending where he escapes out into the jungles. Uh, you can actually call him back when you feel like talking to him at random. I've, I've done it one time to see if he would, and he did hop back on the screen and talk to me some more. Uh, but he has a set number of questions, so eventually he'll stop asking you things. He'll respond if you ask him, if, you know, some basic questions like, how are you doing uh, things like that. He'll, he'll say, oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for wasting my time or whatever. But but he only has so many questions he'll ask you. He'll ask you about your family and about your parents and about, you know, if you have kids, about your kids. Like he asks, it, it's impressive the amount of things he'll ask you because obviously if I said early on I had no kids, he wouldn't have asked me questions about my kids later. So I wonder if that means there are less days or, you know, 
if they, they instead have other questions about other things. Uh, it, it is, it's, it's interesting. If you happen to have a Dreamcast and can find a copy of this, I highly recommend playing it because it is nothing else is like this, uh, I would say. Uh, but you're right. It definitely feels like a very, very early version of, of things we take for granted now, having saying, you know, oh, Siri, you know, what's how many how many cups are in a tablespoon or whatever? Or that's backwards. How many tablespoons are in a cup? And it'll tell you. Seaman won't tell you that. I wish Seaman would tell me that, but. Yeah, it, I think it genuinely succeeded on what it was trying to do because when it was over and when I wasn't logging on each day and, and C-Man was asking me, like, we were having these weird existential conversations, I, I kind of missed it. You know, I was like, oh, well, you know, the uh, the curtain had been, you know, it came up. So I was like, oh, well, there's nothing nothing else here. You know, this is just a video game. But, you know, I, I, I missed him. I missed having, like, conversations with him. And the game itself, I will say, I could be wrong, but like it seems like the fail states are, as far as like getting game overs and having to start over, are much more front loaded than back loaded. So you, you're not, I mean, you still got to waste time if you fuck up like halfway through. But it seems like once he turns into like Seaman Grandpa the Frog, then you know, you're kind of clear unless you just totally fuck up or something. Yeah, um, as long as you don't forget to feed them. You generally yeah. be okay. What happened to me uh, was I was down to the two pod men that were supposed to mate, and they didn't mate. And I was waiting and, and waiting, and they wouldn't mate. But every day when you talk to one seaman, you'd say, "Hey, seaman, are you hungry?" or whatever, and he'll say, "Oh, I'm starving." And so you'll feed him. But I didn't ask. The, I didn't specifically highlight the other fish and then ask that fish, "Are you hungry?" Because I'd ask, "Are you hungry?" without moving, which like fish I was pointing at and the other seaman would say no I'm stuffed so I wouldn't give him any more food and I realized after the other one died that every day I basically fed one seaman and not the other so I, I, I did not feed one seaman and therefore it had nobody to mate with and so the other seaman eventually just died from being lonely and I did that all on Twitch so everyone was like you loser <laughs> I had to go back and do it all over again it was about about 10 or 15 days in that that happened well you know if you want to be a real asshole you can't just you know switch that date on the Dreamcast, uh, and that will actually, you know, fast forward the game, so that you can play those play those days all all you want. As long as you just log out, go back to the Dreamcast uh, front menu, and then change the date forward, it will it will act like it's the next day. So you uh, well, can't I, do that if you're desperate. I didn't want to do that because I figured, you know what, I'm doing this for real on Twitch, and that was well, that's, yeah, that's that, that's the magic of Seaman. That's like what's so great about it. It's if you play it like it's a video game and you play it as fast as you can, that's not that's not how this game works you really just want to log in every day have a weird conversation you know it's it kind of almost reminds me remember um was it mitomo or what yes yes the mitomos when they were asking like what kind of jelly you like and shit <laughs> that was like that's a seaman question like that's totally some of the shit that i would expect seaman to ask me and that's why i like mitomo so much but like it's kind of that weird shit you just never know what he's going to ask you ask you about and then he's going to really delve into it and i really like that it, it's not just a, a basic kind of conversation like you know do you like my toenails or something it is it is like the psychiatry thing you know he'll he'll actually explain things and tell you why he thinks the things way things are um why he's such a surly piece of shit you know that's it was fun like getting to know c-man i guess yeah, no, even the second time through, it was about 20 years apart, but I still enjoyed it the second time, knowing how this would end, knowing what most of his questions would be, knowing 
kind of the, the way this game worked. It was still really fun to play again, just to see, like, what did I remember exactly? And, and also, how well would this hold up, you know, with, with the answers I would give 20 years later, just due to changes in society, as opposed to just that I'm older, you know? So that was really cool. Um, now, this game came out, and Sega did not think it was going to do well. I, I guess they thought it would be one of those games they, they'd already put so much time into, let's go ahead and release it. But, uh, but it actually did better than they thought. It didn't do great, but it did better than they expected, at least in Japan. So there is a sequel to this game called Seaman 2 that came out in 2008 for the PlayStation 2. It is not available anywhere else, and it's not translated at all. And it's even more bizarre than this. I don't know if you've ever looked at any Seaman 2, but it's not about a manfish. I mean, that's in there for a little bit, but after that, it's about raising essentially a caveman. You raise a caveman. Oh, yes, I remember that. I remember seeing screenshots of it. Well, and at first you have to actually create the whole world the caveman's going to live on. So it's not like they give you like a tank to grow a guy and then he goes out into the field and becomes a man or whatever. Like instead, it's like you have to build islands and it almost feels like a terraforming game or like a, a god sim game. And then eventually you do make this this caveman who then starts talking to you in the same way that Seaman does in this game. Uh, absolutely bizarre. Uh, did not Did not come over here. I'm really sad that it didn't. Uh, and that's the only real sequel to Seaman. There's a bunch of special edition, like there's a Christmas version of Seaman, I guess, that came out in Japan, but but nothing else that's a full sequel. Oh, what? Except <laughs> for Seaman 2. Yeah, I, I didn't know about that till I looked it up, apparently. And I don't know if it's just that, it, like, the packaging was Seaman, it's Christmassy, but uh, there's a Christmas Seaman uh, that oh was, again, God. not not translated, not brought here. Um, and, and that's the, I, that same, let me try it again. The only other games that uh, this was developed by Vivarium uh, with Ute Saito was the kind of the, the main designer of the game. He had done previously to Seaman, he was the guy that created what we'd know as Sim Tower. But in Japan, it was known as Ute Tower. Uh, and and Maxis bought it, re, you know, rebranded it and and released it here as, as Sim Tower. And then he did Seaman and Seaman 2. He did the game Odama, which was on the GameCube that also used a microphone to play kind of like pinball warriors <laughs> like pinball you it was pinball army versus army and you were a god yelling commands uh with the with the microphone and that's that's kind of it there there has not been another seaman another sequel to seaman uh i guess for a while there was a rumor that they would they were still working on one but uh as far as i can tell nothing's happened with that and seaman may never come back and, and i don't know again if it if it's something that needs to come back and in the format of being seaman or if you just take that technology and make things like you know, other virtual pets that, that you would use a microphone since everything has a microphone in it now to to make it a little more uh, more organic feeling than this does. But, but yep, unfortunately, if you want to play Seaman, the only way to do it in North America is on the Dreamcast with the microphone. Hopefully you can find the a, a working microphone. It's, uh, I, I, yeah, totally. I, I would totally suggest anyone check that out if you've never played it. Even though it is so old, there's, there's, no, there's nothing that's really like it. I mean, there is absolutely nothing since then that can match what Seaman did, even if it is a very basic kind of AI program trying to understand what the hell you're saying. It's still super cool, though. It's super weird. The whole presentation of it, the whole like just super experimental, like serious, like this is an actual thing that you're, you know, that we're trying to learn. It's it's really cool. <laughs> it's I, I don't know how else to describe it. There, there's so many things that you can use to describe it, but I guess I'd say that the best thing is that it was something that stuck with me uh, for the 20 plus years since then that I played it. And I I don't know if I would ever want to play another Seaman just because of, of the experience that I had in that first one. It's definitely unique. 
But your call is very important to us. The next operator will take your call in approximately 53 minutes. Wouldn't that piss people off even more? I'm telling you I'd much prefer another human answering. Like maybe they could hire temporary counselors to wait with you and help iron out your problems. It seems as if it would be in the company's benefit as well. For once their customer service operator gets to your call, you'll be much more sedate and less likely to raise a stink. It's just a thought. So that's our impromptu thoughts on Seaman, a game we had played 20 years ago, and thankfully I played in the last year so we could discuss it again today while we figured out uh, how long it's going to be till we do these other games we had on our schedule. But we've got more in our pocket for next time, just in case. So we should not have quite a uh, as rambly of a show as this may have been. But despite that we were not prepped for this game today as much as we would have been, we are prepped for what we do at the end of every show, which is answer your questions. You can go to Retrovania.net, and there's links to all our wonderful social media sites. There's a link to our YouTube channel. We just put up our first 3DO review Jeremy did. Uh, it's excellent. You should go check that out. Uh, but at the very bottom of Retrovania.net, there is a form where you can ask us any question you want by just filling in the blanks. Comes to us, and we'll answer them on the show like we're going to do right now. Yes, and these fine people have done just that. And we're going to start off with Jamie Z, and he's talking to us about dreams, and not not the uh, PS4 game, but actual dreams. Well, that's good. I couldn't answer a question about dreams, the PS4 game. So. <laughs> hey, guys, my question is, have you ever played a video game then had a dream about it? I just bought Return to Arkham and beat the first stage and then went to bed. In my dream, Harley Quinn was giving me a hand job, and for some reason, Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll Express was in the corner. Please tell me you've had dreams like this. Keep up the amazing work that you guys do. Truly one of the best podcasts out there. P.S. I heard Billy say a long time ago that he lived in Winston, North Carolina. If that's true, I was wondering if he ever heard of a town called Wilkesboro. I think it's where meth was born. Uh, I if Billy is not here to answer that, but I would bet if, if it is the town where meth was born, uh, he, he has heard of it. Um, he may be there right now. I don't I I don't <laughs> I don't want to imply that. I do want to say he knows a lot about the state he lives in because he drives around. That's what I was saying. Um, the uh, So, yes, I do have get dreams about games when I play them a lot. Uh, most recently, I've been playing a ton of Monster Hunter Rise, and I've definitely had dreams where I'm prepping to go fight a monster, and like things I'm doing in real life will uh, have to be broken up so that I can go uh, make sure I have enough herbs and potions. <laughs> things that don't make any sense. I wake up and I was like, what is that? When I played World of Warcraft, I had a ton of World of Warcraft dreams. I mean, an offensive amount. Not like erotic dreams like that. Just just that I would have dreams where like I had to do stuff in-game, but in the real world, like things would blend together. Uh, I'd have that a lot. And then uh, the, the, the dream like this I remember the most was uh, back when everyone was playing Quake. We played a lot of Quake at night. I'd have friends come over for LAN parties at my house, and we would play Quake. And if you remember with Quake, if you hit the, the, the tilde sign, like the, the command prompt would come down. Like the whole top of the screen would scroll down and get like this whole command line. And I would have dreams where no matter what I was doing, I would hit, a, I would hit this tilde button in my mind, and the command line would come down to change the dream. <laughs> and oh God, I would be able to go you on. broke your brain. <laughs> I know. It was a lot of Quake, a lot of Quake. But yeah, no, I still have those now. If, if I play a game, a lot of a game, and go to bed, I will bleed that into whatever I'm, I'm dreaming about. And it's, it's awful. Actually, yeah, my, the only real dreams I've ever had about a video game was World of Warcraft. And that was, I think it's genu genuinely whenever you're playing, like, uh, or generally when you're playing late at night with something, you know, it's, 
you're about to go to sleep anyway. And especially with World of Warcraft, those dungeons would go on a bit long, especially if someone was like, hey, I got to go take a piss. And then like 20 minutes later, you're still sitting there. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of that stuff for me would would last until like, you know, 3 a.m. some nights to where I was just dozing off by the time we got done with it. And then I just fall into bed and that's what I would dream about. I would dream about my world of Warcraft carrier or character and like the various uh, pieces of armor that I was going after that. Uh, I think that was the only time I, I've ever played enough of a game that it, that seeped into my mind like that to where I had a dream about it. It's possible. I did it when I was a kid because I just played video games constantly, but I don't really those, but yeah, I I never had uh, any of my World of Warcraft uh, characters give me a hand job, but you know I, I'm starting it over again. It's uh, you know here lately, so there's always that chances. Anyway, thanks thanks a lot, Jamie Z, for writing in. Uh, I'll let you know about those hand jobs. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a bad way to end that question. There's, there's next year's patch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, our next question comes in from Burger Champ. And he's writing in about building characters. Hey guys, it's Burger Champ with a new query for you. Do you like character creators? Ah, do you like character creators in gaming, or do you prefer to play as a predefined character? When you use character creators, do you tend to make them look and act like you, or do you create a fictional character to play with? Do you tend to play in a way that you would, or the way that you think your character would? Keep up the good work. Uh, you know, I like character builders for some games. Like, I don't mind it, uh, like, for a game like Skyrim, right? I, I liked having a character designer where I could make a character that looks like I kind of want, and they have, in that game, they come with, you know, different races and different areas, of the like, backgrounds for the, you know, what you might be like if you came from this area. I, I like that. I thought that was really cool. Um, I generally try to do what I would do in that situation maybe not what i think that character would do depending on the kind of game like that uh, also any game where you get like a like in mass effect where you could do a good or bad answer uh, i think i always default to the good answer thinking in my mind i'll do the bad stuff next time and i there's never a next time i always end up doing goody two-shoes runs on everything and never actually finishing a bad guy run um in a game like monster hunter which i'm only going to talk about because it's the only thing i've played in the last month but when i made the character there i I just try to make characters that look reasonable. I think a lot of the time when you find a character creator, 90% of the options look ridiculous. So I want to find something that looks like less than just a generic, like, you know, Ken doll character, but not, you know, super ridiculous, like either really weird looking old man or, or really, really like fat guy. Like, I don't, I don't want that. I just want like, I want to look normal, but not just like, a standard i don't know it's like I, I want a little bit of customization but not too much and i think a lot of games give you th those options and i don't want them for for many games like if if making my character doesn't mean anything and there's no background that would make any sense for it then i don't just give me a character uh, if i had to make characters in every role-playing game i play for example i would lose my mind it, it's a neat novelty sometimes but you know did i would i want to make my character if i was playing final fantasy 15 again no there's a character with a story and a background, and it ties everything together. Or at least it tries to. If I made my own character, it wouldn't. It wouldn't make any sense. I could go on about this for quite a while. I'm not, but there are just times when it's very obvious that a game wants you to choose a specific model, and then they just tack on like, "Here's some customization options." The worst of all time was the original Mass Effect, where it was very obvious that they that Commander Shepard 
was the model that you should be. And anything that you wanted to change him into, especially uh, Femship, looked horrible. It, it didn't even look like it, it came from the same game. It was just kind of tacked on there. You know, it's like, well, you know, you can make your own character, but it's going to look like this weird deformed thing over here. Like Femship didn't even have her eyelashes attached to her skin. Uh, you could actually see them separated. Thankfully, they've they've redone that with Legendary Edition and, and made her look human. But like there, there's just those kind of games where it's very obvious they have made a character that they want you to play as. And then the rest is just, yeah, yeah, you can make your own character, but you'll be sorry, especially in those cutscenes. Uh, but then I, I there are games where like like Demon Souls or Dark Souls, where like I really appreciate having all of those options to make something of that character because it's it's more of an avatar it's more like a Dungeons and dragons character it's something that i make it it's not really i guess part of the story even to the point like you know uh, oblivion and skyrim and stuff like that i like being able to have those options when i can make the character into something that i want it to be not what the game wants me to be right you know that's that's the big deal for me uh, i don't know if that's that makes sense or not yeah, it does. As long as what you're, you can make the character what you want, and you still have to follow the story somewhat, or else the game would never, never get anywhere. But it's right. not like they aren't shoehorning you into a spot like the, what in Mass Effect's a great example. I mean, you're going to be that character, no matter what you look like. You're basically that same character. Yeah, there's not much you can really do. I mean, thankfully with Mass Effect Two and Mass Effect Three, they gave you far more options. They made you know Fim Shep actually into a a, a character that you know, felt like it, she was supposed to be part of the game. That's cool. But yeah, I, you know, for me, I was always just Vander Shepard. I never took the time to, to create that character because I knew in the end, no matter what I was going to do, it was going to be either base male uh, Commander Shepard or Fem Shepard. That was going to be it. So yeah, uh, it, it really just depends on the game and what that game is, is how that game lets me create my character going through the game and not just with a, a character creator at the very beginning and then just kind of forgot about, you know. But anyway, thank you. Uh, uh, that was actually a really good question, Burger Champ. Thanks for writing it. Uh, our next question comes in from Flaramy P. Oh, no. Now we've moved on from Billy Holiday. <laughs> no, well, I mean, Billy's not here, so we... <laughs> I guess that's fair. Knew, that's a fair point. Knew the future, apparently. Um, and this is about video game worlds. Gentlemen. If you could take a one-week vacation to any video game world, where would you go? Something relaxing or something exciting? Follow-up question. If you could watch Billy suffer in any video game world for one afternoon, which hellhole would you send him to? Would you choose a dark punishment like a Diablo dungeon or a light-hearted punishment like the toy level in Mega Man 8 where everything looks cute but is actually trying to kill you? Bon voyage. Uh, well, for the second answer, I can tell you from experience, uh, when I recommended to him, I would send him to any Alex Kidd game, and he, he would be miserable and hate me for it. <laughs> if I'm going to torture somebody, I'm sending him to, a, to an Alex okay. Kidd world. Or Let's Bubsy. just make him go to a uh, fucking Gemfire world or uh, even uh, Crystallis. You know, he'll, <laughs> I think he'll he'll have a lot of fun in those those settings. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I Gemfire's world would be dull. But but I think if I could make him go to Alex Kidd World, where he has to, especially the Alex Kidd in high tech world, so he can try to find a burned piece of paper, he'd love that. That would be his life. He would he'd think it's amazing. Um, as True. far as I, I mean, I don't want to answer Monster Hunter because it's all I played. So uh, it would have to be something fantasy though. Like I have no interest in going to 
any kind of cart like I don't want to go to a Mario World. I don't see any any fun in that. I would want to go to something crazy fantasy, but it have to be a fantasy world that would be interesting. Uh, maybe like th- th- Avalis, the the Final Fantasy twelve, Final Fantasy Tactics world. I mean, I'd probably die because it's all pretty rough there. But that's that's an interesting world with some neat backgrounds. Uh, as far as as going someplace relaxing, I I don't do that in real life. So why would I do it if I could go to anywhere I wanted to go? Can't believe you didn't say Golden Saucer from uh, Final Fantasy. Well, it's still a Final Fantasy, but I didn't think about Golden Saucer. But yeah, you know, even when I get there in the game, I don't want to be there. I'd rather go <laughs> other places. I'm not a big Golden Saucer fan. They're, they they kind of redo that in 13 where there's like this kind of carnival town, and I hate that too. Did you ever get to play the, the Gold Saucer that's in uh, Final Fantasy 14 where it's just nothing but various gambling? Just all the entire thing is just gamble constantly. I don't think I did. I only played up to about level 20 on uh, on Final Fantasy Online, what, 14 or whatever. And I, I liked it, but I, I just couldn't keep playing a game like that anymore i can't do it yeah i can't blame you i i guess for me i you know it's not like i really want to go to something like silent hill world or you know <laughs> god i didn't even think about know, that <laughs> i i don't want pyramid head to do the things to me that he's doing to those other uh weird mannequins but i i guess for me i i it probably would be something more relaxing maybe like you know a, a driving game uh you know mario kart uh, something like Gran Turismo. Like I like driving, so that would be fun for me to just drive. Uh, there was this one game on PlayStation that I always mention, uh, Aquanauts Holiday, where you just kind of rolled around in uh, in a, a tiny sub and explored the ocean depths, and I would totally enjoy that. It's probably why I played that way more than any other human being ever did back in the day. But yeah, it would probably be something more relaxing to me. I don't know. But anyway, thank you, Flair and me, P, for writing in. I'm sure we will see you in future episodes as well. And our final question here comes from Tom, just Tom, and it's about Resident Evil multiplayer madness. Resident Evil, where do you get off? Always having great single-player experiences, but yet, far from the co-op modes, multiplayer is just churned out with no rhyme or reason. So what are your guys' thoughts on Resident Evil's many poor efforts in the multiplayer space? especially now that Resident Evil 8 is coming out with Reverse. Well, it's definitely going backwards in some ways. I mean, who really played Resident Evil Resistance or Umbrella Corps? Capcom surely must see the numbers on these titles, but still keep sending them out into the wild to die. What is your wise sage opinion on this? Does your uncle at Nintendo have the inside info on this at all? Anyway, thanks, guys. Love the podcast and love my semen grandpa patch as well. Well, I'm glad I'm glad that that's still still serving its purpose, making everyone happy to see Steven Grandpa on your arm. Um, I, I am not a qualified person to answer this question. I've never played any Resident Evil multiplayer like that. I thought you were talking like I played Resident Evil six or, or five, I guess, where, where you like teams. That was fun. Uh, but I also think it's the weakest versions of those games. I, I like the, the single player experience of a Resident Evil. I, I like feeling like it's it's me alone trying to survive against this this onslaught of things uh, and, and figure out a mystery. I mean, sure, there's other people in your in your quote group, but they're not real people. They're NPCs. I, I've never played any of the actual multiplayer Resident Evil. So sorry, I, I don't have a good answer. Uh, yeah, for me, I you mentioned the co-op version of that which the best i think they've ever done was resident evil outbreak for the playstation 2 which you know you actually you know that was online only so you needed to have the playstation 2 
modem adapter thing, which was kind of hard to find. So like the very few people actually got to play that. I played it and it was really cool, but it was completely broken because online infrastructure back then, what was it like 2003 or something? Like it was very basic. It was super basic. So like the idea of having like players play an actual Resident Evil game together, that was a really cool idea and it worked. But I think the whole thing just kind of fell apart when it, it was just too early for that kind of game to to be to work reasonably well, I guess. And I think that was about the last one they did that was uh, co-op. Um, you know, there's probably more, you know, that where you can play with somebody through a, a campaign. But, you know, that was what Outbreak was all about. It was about the co-op experience. So the rest of it was just multiplayer bullshit. And I agree with you that it's just all bullshit. It just kind of blows my mind that they keep throwing this out. And I, they have, you're right, they have to know. Like when they did that reverse thing on the stream for the PlayStation, uh, you know, the Resident Evil PlayStation stream, whatever it was when they were announcing it, that was just met with like the biggest groan in the world. It's just like, stop it. You have to stop doing this. I don't know why they keep doing it, but I maybe because they think like it's just randomly going to hit big. This is their big multiplayer moment. I don't know if Capcom makes them do it, it just seems stupid at this point. Like uh, Umbrella Chronicles was just trash, just absolute trash. It's just, it, it just amazes me that they keep trying to throw it in there and hit something uh, as far as like getting anyone to play it because no one ever does. No one gives a shit. So I, maybe it's just something they can throw in there and be like, hey, we've got your value added or whatever. But to me, it's at this point, I don't even bother. It's just, it's nothing that I care about. Yeah, if I want to play a multiplayer, you know, zombie game, I'd I'd probably just play Left 4 Dead again because that's yeah. about as good as it gets. Uh, the one that they put in with uh, Resident Evil Three Remake was was interesting. At least it was a co op style. You know, it was a, a four against one kind of thing where you've got like the one one player being the the person that was kind of the dungeon master essentially. And they would put in the the traps and the enemies and the things that were supposed to stop the four players that were actually going around to collect the keys and do the other things to get past the level. That's the most interesting it has been in a very long time. And I was kind of hoping that they would put that in with Resident Evil 8 or something along those lines. But no, they have just completely tossed that to the side and they've went back and done this, this reverse thing, which is, it doesn't look like, anything i want to play so it just really kind of sucks i i wish they would just stop doing it but anyway tom i agree with you thanks for writing in and that is actually going to do it for all the questions again if you'd like to go to retrovania.net scroll all the way down to the bottom and get that super sexy question form fill that out send it in we will read it on the show just about anything really i mean even if you're jeremy uh flaramie p or whatever you know we will we will read it on here as long as it's within reason. So uh, check that out along with our other things, our YouTube channel that like Jeremy said, we just put up a, a review for twisted. I realized literally no one cares about that game, but I thought it was neat. So I wanted to do a review. for it. Well, and, and we have a, a link to, to our Twitch channel where uh, myself and Billy, and I believe Jeremy is set up for it as well. We'll be, uh, we'll be streaming some games. Uh, like I said, I, 
played the, this this episode's game Seaman on this uh, several months ago. So uh, it, I'm sure that's a place to also find uh, content that you might hear about on this podcast later. Also, if you like this show and you would like two more episodes a month, uh, we do have a Patreon for uh, for five dollars a month or more. You can get those access to those two free episodes a month. Uh, right now, there's about thirty of them so far, so you'd have a lot to go back through, and they're all full episodes. We we cut out the introduction part, we cut out the part where we ask answer all the questions, so it's just meat and potatoes about the game uh but to a month like we did parappa the rapper last month and and we did uh, an episode on jackal for the nes those are episodes you can get only by joining our patreon but if you don't want to join it that's okay we'll be back in two weeks with another game uh either one of the two we have in the queue from patron requests or something altogether different if it's just jeremy and myself and we will see you then okay friend this this is it i've really got to go now take care and if if you ever want to talk to me, just call me, okay? You've been a good friend. I'll miss our time together. Don't be a total stranger now. Farewell.